we're live with a special episode of doing our bit. Um, we are just coming out of, um, shall we call it, game conf climate game conference season. We've had three different sort of climate events in the past couple of weeks for, in the games industry, and uh, it, it's it's been a bit of a journey. Today, uh, we we're here to focus specifically on what happened last week, which is uh, the Green Games Summit. Which was organized by UKIE, the UK's uh, game industry uh, association, basically, and playing for the planet. Um, and with me to uh, sort of digest everything that we saw on the summit, I have Trevin York. Hi, that's me. And I have let's let's do this right, Melanie Christin. Bravo! <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, both of whom are are members of the IGDA Climate SIG, who have uh, well been been watching the summit with with me over the past week. Well, the two days it took, and we we had a great time doing that. And I figured we'd keep having a great time uh, talking about everything that happened on on the summit. Um, just since I mentioned it, I might I might as well go on um, mentioning the the other two summits that we've been through. Although we were not going to dive into detail today. Uh, first of all, we had Unity for Humanity um, la the, the week before last, uh, which uh, happens every year. Uh, it's it's a, a kind of an expo that Unity, the game engine company, does, uh, highlighting ways that the engine can be used for for furthering social and environmental goods. I didn't even intend that because I I had to go to the other thing that happened at the same time, which was uh, the Eco Games Conference uh, at the University of Utrecht. Which had two full days of um, of um, a, a symposium, really, uh, for um, an upcoming book about eco games, where all of the authors would come on and uh, uh, present their chapters as, as work in progress, which was really interesting. And we're gonna have to come back to to that somehow in, in some future episode. But okay, for now, uh, Green Games Summit, which out of the three events, I guess this is the more business focused. Thing, I would say. Uh, it had all the big players in it. There was Sony was there, Microsoft was there, Unity was there. Uh, many of the big sort of playing for the planet players came together to discuss how to uh, transition our industry. I'll, I'll just start by asking you what 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 were your sort of favorite sessions or favorite takeaways from these two days of, of uh, talking about climate and games? Yeah. So the biggest takeaways, like what I really, really enjoyed about the Green Game Summit was the introduction, for once, by uh, Emmanuel Mer, uh, because she she made a great place of uh, the the extraction problem, problem, the the microchip problem, and um, I think it was not enough addressed uh, the rest of the summit. So it was a great introduction. I'm not saying that because she's French, but. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a great introduction, and the second one I really, I really enjoyed, and I thought we, um, I think we should have more of it is uh, Elizabeth's um, presentation of the Drawdown project. Um, mm. Project Drawdown is a very uh, exhaustive research of all the solutions that we can apply to any industry, really, um, to to bring our emissions down. And it's so, so informative. It's one of my favorite documents to go through every now and then. And uh, I thought her presentation was really, really interesting. And 
Uh, I also learned that she was from the games industry in some in some way. Yeah, also. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. So I really think she she was great, and she is our best chance to turn things around in our industry. Hmm. Yeah. I, we're talking about Dr. Elizabeth Bagley, uh, who is previously of Drawdown. I should say she's moved oh, to greener pastures now. She's at the Strategic Energy Innovations now, program director. Awesome, Trevin. Nice. Yeah. What were your biggest takeaways? Well, just to jump onto that one, like I also uh, adored that presentation, uh, both because I think it's so important in these contexts, and by co this context, I mean like the game industry talking about what we're doing here, what we're going to, what we need to be doing, what we are doing already. Is I think it's what her section of the presentation offered was outcomes to target, right? Mm -hmm. Which is so, so important when otherwise you're just flailing around trying to have some sort of impact. But to have experts come and say, you know, look, these are really useful interventions that are going to move us in the direction we want to go. Also, I think a theme that came up, not with all of the interventions the Project Drawdown has, but a number of them, is this idea that the resources necessary to enact these interventions exist. What is necessary is a reorganization of resources to implement. Maybe it's infrastructure, maybe it's um, logistics, maybe it's prioritization, maybe it's a shift in values and attitudes and awareness. Um, but for a decent number of these, and this is something that she mentioned, right? It's, it's not that there is no solution. It's that we've identified interventions, we've identified ways to push forward, and we just we just gotta do it. We just gotta make it happen. Yeah. Which is uh, I think inspiring in some ways, right? It, it makes you feel less lost, less powerless. Would you say important. it gives us a heightened sense of self-efficacy? A heightened sense of self-efficacy. I would indeed say that. Uh, sorry, that's a tactics report reference. <laughs> but but important, right? Yeah, just to to call attention to that context, to call attention to that. That notion is the notion that people, when people feel powerless, when people feel stuck or trapped, they disengage, they, we disengage, we uh, give up, <laughs> we are stop being effective, we stop trying to nudge things in the right direction. Mm. But projects and efforts like Project Drawdown help show us that there is a way forward, stuff that we can do, both as individuals, as communities, but also in, in the context of this Green Game Summit is, you know, as an industry as organizations, as the big players here, there are things that these organizations can help uh, yeah, push forward. Definitely. I was, I was right in this place at the beginning of the year. I was completely hopeless and in, in kind of the doom in doom east uh, way of thing, of seeing the eco, uh, eco friendly genre. And I was really much buying into oh we we shouldn't do anything because we doomed anyway and it was the project drawdown that really took me out of this um this way of thinking and to see so many solutions at the grasp of my hand it was really empowering into fighting for for the right changes hmm. I, I i was also kind of inspired like you alluded to trevin by hat I mean, we've been discussing for, for so long whether what we do makes a difference as game developers, and, and um, there's, there's always this kind of doubt, and there probably always will be. Um, but it, it was really powerful to have, 
basically, <laughs> for me, it felt like have, having a resource like Drawdown personified as, as Dr. Elizabeth Bagley coming in and saying that actually games can make, make a difference, that, that that confidence was really important to me. Uh, and, and boosted further by the fact that Bagley knows games. Uh, yeah, that was I, awesome. She's worked in games and she, she apparently wrote her dissertation on it, which I now need to read. And I, I'm, I'm going to do my best to get her on this podcast as well. Um, and I, I was personally a bit vindicated to when, when she, I mean, ultimately what she asked us to do was to, or one of the things she asked game developers to do was to include the, the diverse uh, solutions portrayed in, in the drawdown framework in games to, to make us, to, to help players recognize that they exist and that they are possible and sort of break the imagination crisis. And mm. that's that, that's one of the first actions that we added to uh, to the wiki that we're building. Look at drawdown, pick a solution, put it in your game. Yeah, actually, let's let's also mention Jamie Alexander, who is the director of Project Drawdown, who was also there and also like built on uh, those ideas and talked about um, how they have identified different ways to uh, shift culture and shift behaviors and shift attitudes and the focus on that can be really impactful. And obviously that's another like direct intersection with the value that games and play can provide. And I thought that was really exciting also. I'm, I'm sure we'll come come back to favorite for favorite chess sessions, but I, I guess I wanted to ask you <laughs> sort of overall, uh, what do you think that this, this uh, summit has uh, achieved so far? I think that the emphasis, the the most important emphasis of this summit is was to bring maybe people that were first time comers to to this subject. So it might have been not that thorough as we could have wished, but it was the first exposition for for many people, and it was repeated over and over that game developers can make a difference, should make a difference. It was very much into the um, empowering um, developers, uh, but I, I thought it was lacking a bit on the what what should we do exactly um, on the side. So it was very much like, yeah, you matter, you can do a difference, etc. But I was like, okay, I can do a difference. What should I do? <laughs> yeah. I agree. And to build on that, I think it's interesting. And I think this came through in the game, Green Game Summit for me, this balance and this tension, perhaps, between welcoming people who are new to this area of discourse, welcoming developers, designers, people in and adjacent to the game industry who are new to the idea that games might be able to you know, have a positive force in this area. People who maybe, uh, like Melanie said, were feeling really anxious or disempowered or uh, lost, welcoming those people and telling them, hey, this is good. So there's that that goal of the summit. And that's in tension with deep discourse about the best ways to do that, because discourse is messy, <laughs> right? Discourse is when you dig in and try to figure out exactly the, what the best ways uh, to enact that change people are not going to agree and it, uh, people aren't going to agree. And the discourse is important to move the conversation forward, but it's not inspiring and empowering. It's scary sometimes, especially if you're new to it. And I feel like this, the Green Game Summit, to me, I, I could feel that tension between those two poles mm. where uh, perhaps from my perspective, the discourse was held back a little bit to make sure that it was more accessible 
which makes, again, has value, makes sense. Um, but also there were areas where certain parts of the summit were pushing a little bit into that discourse area. So you can kind of see like where it might have gone if it was just about that. Yeah, definitely agree. Uh, yeah, it was uh, because the discourse is pretty, pretty depressing when you think about it. <laughs> and so you, you have a really hot tension between, okay, we should tell people that this is important, but we shouldn't like scare them into, into something. Yeah, it's a it's a difficult e equilibrium, and uh, also like maybe the fact that Yuki is a trade association and it was a very much business oriented uh, conference. You can't really tell the truth that is this is going to 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 cost you money in the long run. This is like the climate emergency is an emergency. It's not like. Climate change, of course, it's a, it's a climate crisis. It's an emergency. And ultimately, it's not good for business. So having um, people that are business-oriented um, take a deep dive into this subject, it can, you know, conflict between what, what you hear in the first, for in the, in the first place and what the climate emergency um, urges you to do. Mm. see what you mean. Like, I, I was really impressed with the first couple of speakers uh, in, in terms of how, knowing that they're speaking to an audience of, of game developers that are haven't necessarily thought too hard about their role in this. I think they were all very clear on the, the massive scale and urgency of, of the climate crisis and sort of sort of, sort of pop, popping that bubble that we keep around gaming that, that, that we believe sort of insulates us from the outside world and, and saying that, no, actually, gaming is part of this transition. We need to be. We got that both from from Joe Twist, who's the the head of Yuki, uh, who I, I think delivered a surprisingly powerful speech speech from a sort of ecological perspective. Then from Emmanuel Mayer of the EU Commission that you mentioned, and, and then also from some Sam Barrett, who heads the Plank for the Planet Alliance. I, I think he started with uh, our emissions need to fall off a cliff. Yep, and that's. Uh, that's a good place to start, but then you need to start empowering people. That graph was so awesome, awesome and scary in, in, in every way. Yeah, uh, and I, 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 I think that like the the way I, if I can imagine what I think their sort of main uh, purpose was with this, it, it, it was to sort of evangelize the playing for the planet um, um, process. Uh, or the, the playing for the planet approach, which uh, the alliance members have been working on for for two years now, which is on on the one hand the green game jam, uh, take your games that have the maximum amount of reach and uh, and experiment on them, uh, and and use them to tr try ways of of uh, um, creating inspiration and activation in players, but and on the other hand, uh, measuring and and reducing and offsetting emissions of game studios. Uh, getting just getting more studios involved in those two endeavors, and and ultimately getting them getting them signed up to the Playing for the Planet Alliance. They they actively asked uh, new studios to join and and advertised new studios new studios that had joined, which uh, which is cool. I it's been a, a small club for the past two years, and I hope they're uh, they're expanding because it's a it's a it's a it's a cool network to have. Yeah, I completely agree. You can imagine a future where it's the norm for a game studio to be a part of that, to be a part 
of this alliance to be a part of thinking consciously about your studio's impact and also the impacts of the games that you design and produce. Uh, and I think that's a, that, yeah, that'd be a really nice future. <laughs> it's, a, it's a step, right? Yeah. Uh, it's also, it's fun to see how they're expanding into uh, new territories. Like there are a couple of Chinese members that are playing for the Planet Alliance now. Uh, Sam Barrett right. mentioned specifically how, how he was excited about uh, how, how games could have an impact in China specifically. I thought that was really interesting. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what he means. Uh, obviously, there are a lot of people in China to, to influence. Uh, on the other hand, they may have limited uh, influence on politics. I mean, even if you, like, maybe in, in China, you have limited, limited action over the politics. Um, uh, I'll, I'll take my, my own example. So I made, I made a game that's called Transformize, and it reached over 100 million accounts uh, in 10 years. And if I were able to uh, have a, a message in my game that would have reached, like, 100 million people... And that would make a huge difference uh, compared to um, not doing it. And even even if you even if in China they don't have the agency to influence the politics or anything, um, it's it, it's about by by reaching someone and they reach their friends and they reach their friends and uh, eventually you get to reach the right people that do make the decision. Uh, if you it, it, among the 100 million people I reached with Transformice, uh, now I have people in high positions in politics and people that made couple over my game uh, that that uh, met uh, people from overseas and that created a lot of uh, of social connection. And if in the games, like all the games, start to um, teach uh, teach eco-friendly tips to the global population, eventually you can reach the higher-ups and eventually you can make a difference at a political level, I think. That's true. Impact doesn't always hit sort of evenly. Sometimes you mm. make a game and it reach, reaches a thousand players and none of them care, but one of them happens to be the son of the CEO of... Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Sons of CEOs are the reasons of many decisions in games. <laughs> For sure. Um, but you've been touching on this a little bit, Melanie, but what do you think was missing from the summit? Many things. <laughs> no, not many things. I, I'm mostly like grateful it even exists in the first mm -hmm. place, and it was really inspiring to attend it and I really wish I am part of the French trade association that is called the SNGV. And um, I really wish we could build something similar in the future that is only French oriented because my population is not very versed into English, <laughs> unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So I really wish that we can um, take advantage of all the resources that uh, playing for the planet, uh, I have been going, I've been researching and stuff, and to put the message out for for the French people. So mainly, I am really grateful for this summit to exist, and I think it's inspiring. And I want to do the same. Uh, but uh, apart from the first word from Emmanuel Maire, um, I I do think we are too focused on electrical conception and not manufacturing enough. Mm. And it's been seen into the, the Sony presentations that is only focused on 
how much electricity do games and downloading of games and PS4 versus PS5 uh, consume in electricity. But the main problem is the manufacturing, the the rare the rare earth metals and and we are going to have a microchip crisis very soon. That is like as soon as next year probably. And I think we haven't touched enough on that subject. And I really wish for the the game development world as a, as a, as a, as a whole to take this into account and to start preserving the games and and developing for um, older platforms and and stop um, stop like asking for more resources in the games, asking for more RAM, asking for people to update their setup for their their computer or their mobile phone. And I think that is the most important point we need to get across the game development world, um, that manufacturing actually has such a bigger impact than electrical consumption. They are linked somehow, of course, when you optimize your game, for an older platform, um, eventually you will optimize it for electrical conception. But focusing on electrical conception is, in my opinion, not the best way to do it. But it's always good to have it better, better than nothing. But yeah, manufacturing definitely. Yeah, got to do both, right? But yep. then, then we need to talk about both. Uh, I, yeah. I I had some discussions about this on Twitter after the summit, actually, uh, because I also was under the impression that a lot of what Kieran Myers uh, talked about in, in his presentation, he's the, the sustainability leader of the PlayStation, uh, was focused squarely on electricity. But I, I have been told that apparently uh, uh, life cycle analysis was included in most of those slides, if not all of them. Uh, so it included data on also on um, on embedded emissions in, in manufacturing, mm. but of course he didn't necessarily talk about that part, and and that to me is is sort of the main problem because if if Sony doesn't talk about the manufacturing emissions, then who does? Um, Microsoft and or Xbox and PlayStation are are really the ones that are. I mean, it's their scope too, right? It's or scope, which scope is it? It's yeah, it's up to for the rest of us, like all, all that we can do about that problem is really pressuring them. So, so <laughs> I do, I do think it's important that we hear from, from them on how they, because ultimately uh, what, what is required is a shift in business, in, in, in business strategy or in, um, in business model even. Uh, which is kind of what Emmanuel Mayer said at, at the outset of the summit, like we, we can't keep uh, doing this this planned obsolescence thing, we 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 need to think in terms of a circular economy. And I, I I wonder when we get to the point where we can seriously talk about that in in a summit that's sponsored by Sony Computer Entertainment. Because yeah. Ultimately, their business model is is one that needs to change. There's this sort of uh, uncertainty. Sometimes people say that the biggest part of gaming submissions comes from hardware. And others say that the biggest part comes from software, and, and most of that is down to that we, we don't have good uh, estimations of the hardware uh, emissions. Some put the place the PlayStation Four has been a pretty common example. Some put a PlayStation Four as fifty kilos of, of CO two equivalents. Some others put it more like ninety. Uh, so 
we don't know which is biggest. And there's this big fight about that. But who cares, right? Because we need to address both of them. It's not that even... I don't think we should see manufacturing only in terms of CO2 equivalent. I think the rare earth... Uh, metals uh, issue is the biggest one because uh, we are going to be uh, lacking of this very, very soon. And there are, I would say, more important things we need to manufacture microchip for than than consoles, in my opinion. Um, and it's, we're going to have uh, a choice to make. Are we going to keep making microchips for consoles or for devices that will save lives in hospitals or that kind of stuff and yeah. um only seeing manufacturing in terms of co2 emissions i think it's not it's not enough to to address the problem yeah thank you that's that's important to mention yeah. and obviously mining has huge impact on on biodiversities and communities uh so yeah okay so so we haven't really been asking the hardest questions yet i suppose right and and that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about that tension that you can feel in a summit like this where i mean as we have said here today we're glad it exists we're so glad that summit exists and we wish there were more that just like it and it's not quite we we need further discourse further discussion further deep questioning on examining the problems at hand where we can have the biggest impact where the biggest damage is being done and we need somehow environments where uh, larger organizations feel if not safe at least comfortable actually talking amongst themselves about these hard questions yeah i, I was going to say like talking publicly about it i can understand that that's not the first place they go right of course exactly exactly and yet that's where it seems like the discussion is happening right now only. Um, although obviously we're not privy to any private conversations, but uh, you can kind of feel the Green Game Summit. This it's kind of, It felt like this kind of game of chicken where all these organizations are coming and be like, we're, we're good. We're, this is the problem. We're, we're fixing it. But nobody wants to deep, dig too deep because they're all staring at each other. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. How do we respond? It part partly uh, it makes me think that the solution, no, sorry, a solution, a contribution would just be summits that are longer, because then you could take people on that broader journey. You could start people off and welcome them in and support them and say, hey, it's okay if you were overwhelmed or you were, you were scared. It's okay. That's natural. It's normal. You don't have to be. There's actions we can empower you. We have solutions. And now that you're set with that, now that you're feeling more comfortable and safer, let's get to work. Whereas a summit like this one feels more like just that first part. Uh, and ideally, we'd, we'd have more of these, right? And I'm sure yeah. we will. I mean, you're, you're doing a big thing at, at next, next year's GDC. Yeah. Uh, and, and climate and environment is obviously part of, of the game industry discourse now. Uh, we just <laughs> ideally <laughs> grow faster, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I've thought about it so much, right? Like a GDC workshop is six and a half-ish hours of content. It's not a lot of time, <laughs> yeah. but that's kind of the journey that I, I'm starting to think is the only responsible kind of journey to take people on, is both to welcome them and make them feel safe, and then also get them to dig in and into real stuff, and then make them feel empowered, and but also leave them feeling empowered at the end. It's tricky. It's a tricky balance, but um, yeah, <laughs> keep asking me 
of on my thoughts as we get close to GDC, as I keep thinking about it. Yeah, 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 for sure. I'm going to regret us keeping out GDC out of non-flying policy. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I might add another thing that I, I felt was missing, and I mean, I totally understand there's a limited amount of time, but it would have been especially interesting given that Yuki is sponsoring this thing uh, to talk about gaming's lobbying power. Mm. Uh, because we have these organizations like Yuki, which is basically an, an interface between the industry and, and policymakers. And there's a lot of talk about the, the tech industry's lobbying in general in, in the past couple of months, with uh, especially in the U.S. with the reconciliation bill going on there. There's a big fight in, in the Senate about basically should we have climate policy or not, or somewhere on that spectrum. Yep. see where we land. Uh, and uh, the, there were some big headlines like two weeks ago, maybe, that many of the big tech companies, including Microsoft and Apple, and I think Google, uh, were still sponsoring lobbying bodies that were aggressively lobbying up against climate action in the US Senate, uh, which is a, a complicated situation. It's, they're not directly lobbying, as I understand, but the, the, the sort of industry bodies that they are part of uh, uh, could and should be used for the other thing, for, for lobbying for climate action. Uh, and it would be really interesting to have a uh, discussion about where our industry bodies in the games industry, uh, how they can sort of put their weight behind initiatives like that. Yeah, I was pretty dismayed to discover that during Green Game Summit, uh, Ubisoft was really into uh, going carbon neutral very soon and and listing all the initiatives they took. And and then I saw they were taking stakes into Axie Infinity like during Green Game Summit. It's a it's a NFT. Um, it's an NFT game, and I think it's it's really it, it shows how um, those big bodies they are they are so big right now they uh, they can do like a very good thing on the side and then a very bad thing on the other side and uh, it's not it's not really like there's not one head that controls everything given how big they are and yeah that's a that's a problem in terms of of image I'd say. Also, uh, just a striking and real reminder, and this is, I think, just building on exactly what you were saying, Melanie, that large organizations are made up of smaller groups of people who don't always share values. And there are, all of these large tech organizations have people fiercely fighting within them for yep. greener policy, greener action, more ethical uh, design choices. Uh, and depending on how much, essentially how much power within the organization those types of people end up getting within the organization affects and impacts the broader organization's external efforts. And you can definitely see examples, uh, like Melanie just said, of organizations that are doing two very contradictory, multiple contradictory things at once. Because what you're seeing is those disagreements and values within the organization. That reminds me of one of my big takeaways from the summit, actually, which is that I, I got to see the faces of a lot of, of champions uh, within big yeah. uh, and and get to know, like, I, I suppose, allies that I didn't know that we had. Uh, I wasn't expecting Dr. Joe Twist to be to be uh, uh, as apparently gung ho about rapid climate action as she she seemed to be in her speech. That I mean, if that's a sign that Yuki can can 
work for for climate policy in the UK. That's that's amazing. Uh, I'm so relieved to see Trista Patterson take over as as the head of sustainability on Xbox. I mean, that is so great. I've been following her for for years now as the uh, initiator of playing for the planet, um, and just having someone in in that role who tr really truly understands the the I mean what the climate crisis is and how it works and how urgent and, and big it is. Uh, it's really impressive. And I, I have a lot of faith in, in Kieran Mayers as well on the Sony side. And, and Marina Psaros, let's not forget, uh, the, the sustainability, sustainability lead at Unity, uh, who has also had huge experience working in, in uh, ecosystems and, and uh, changing electricity systems across the US. My question, is, or, or my, my slight disappointment, I guess, is that in a lot of other industries at the moment, at summits like this, you would probably see the CEOs of companies. And we very barely did that today uh, or last week. It was mostly sustainability people. Uh, and we don't know what kind of power they wield because uh, that, that depends very much on the power structures inside the companies. And at some point, maybe we will see the gaming industry sort of follow along that trend of no climate isn't just uh, its own department anymore. It's a core part of, of our business. And so the CEO must be must be heavily involved in, in our climate policy. I'd, I'd love to see that. We did see that on, on the first sort of Playing for the Planet announcement when the heads of Xbox and PlayStation came up together on stage and said they would cooperate on this. So that, that was great. Uh, hope to see more of it. Those are really good points and I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> so where do we go from here then, I guess? So one of the things that came out, I, th I think a theme of this last summit that I'd like to see expanded on is the importance of taking action in the in the intended direction towards your intended impact. Even if you're not a thousand percent sure that you're doing it perfectly right. Mm. And I think that's so crucial for a few reasons. One is uh, it's easier to learn by doing, like this is a really complicated, wildly complicated, wickedly complicated crisis. And it's not, which, which means by definition, like when we say something is a, a wickedly complicated problem, uh, we mean that it's not discernible. You, you cannot fit it all in your head at once as a single person, which means perhaps the best way to start to find effective ways to intervene in that crisis is to just do it. Mm. And you'll learn what works and what doesn't. And I think that was a, that was a, that was a theme that came out of that. That was actually uh, the the first thing that Yuki themselves posted as, uh, yeah. as in, in their article yesterday about oh, cool. learnings from from the yeah from the summit. So that's 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 really important uh, and a way to move forward. What I'd like to see, <laughs> and this is this is a very me answer. This is a very Trevin answer because this is what I'm uh, studying right now. Is I'd like to see the game industry learn from other industries, parallel industries, parallel efforts around the world to learn how they are approaching working within the climate crisis. We see a little bit of that uh, already. We see some crossover between the game industry and education and pedagogy across the globe. Um, we see games intersecting with advocacy and, and policy, uh, but I still think there's a lot of untapped knowledge, a lot of untapped uh, expertise and, and disc crossover discourse that uh, there's potential for. And I'd like to see that happen really soon because, well, it's a, it's, it's a crisis. <laughs> there is not an infinite amount of time to uh, figure this out. So 
I'd like to see that movement happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I, the most, one of the most important takeaways is uh, whatever you do, oh, no matter how small it is, it is better than doing nothing. And definitely just act now, do even the smallest thing uh, and you will learn uh, on the go and you will never find um, a solution that will solve it all. You cannot grasp it yourself within your own brain. You cannot grasp the whole problem alone within your brain. So don't try <laughs> because you get overwhelmed. But find something you are passionate about and and do that thing and do it little by little and it's the most the most important thing to do um i do hope that in the future this kind of uh, summit would be more public i i thought it was maybe a bit um i don't know say it in english but i, I would have liked to see all of these presentations on twitch for example that open for everyone um, why did it require any any attending, any any pre pre subscription? Any it it got in the way of the message. I wish we had that kind of event in in a more public way. So, uh, of course, game developers can attend, but gamers also can attend. And we have a lot of wannabe game developers among the young people, and young people are a lot more. Um, involved into the climate crisis problem than uh, the, the, say, older people. And I do think that uh, today's uh, aspiring game designer, game developer, artist would love to see that us as an industry, we're moving forward on this problem. So I, I only wish for more public action, in that, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a very good point. I, I wonder... Why we haven't seen more of that, and I'm sure we will. Uh, I hope. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Well, something Melanie just said made me remember. There was an article. I think it was the New York Times. I think it was a New York Times article one or two months ago, near the beginning of the academic year. And obviously, uh, they were describing something that isn't obviously not universal, but it's a growing sentiment among people attending colleges and universities that every job is a climate job now. That came up yep. multiple and times in the summit. And uh, there were quotes from students saying things like, if I'm not studying how to deal with the climate crisis, then there's, what am I doing with my life? Like, there's, this is it. <laughs> this is the only thing worth spending my time at university doing, uh, which isn't limiting because there's so many different approaches and perspectives and contexts with which to approach the climate crisis. In fact, a multi, an incredibly multidisciplinary approach is necessary in incredibly complicated crises like these. Mm -hmm. um, so that, so I'm saying, it, like, it's not limiting, but it's uh, it's almost inspiring in a way that younger, again, not universal, obviously, but people entering school now are so focused on bringing whatever their passions and skill sets and perspectives are to this issue, and in conversation between all of those perspectives and all of those approaches, who knows what beautiful new things might arise. So then it's, it becomes our jobs as those who aren't, aren't as young to welcome them, welcome those new perspectives, create spaces for them to interact and 
uh, participate in discourse and create stuff and try stuff and just basically empower them, I think. Yep, definitely. I, I think we're already, I mean, already in this talk, we're, we're finding approaches to, to addressing climate w within games that haven't really come up in the summit and that I'm sure will will grow over the, the coming year and years. We've talked about a movement for using games lobbying power. We've talked about some, we, we need some kind of movement that that works on the on the mining problem, on, on, on the manufacturing emissions. And I, I think there are a lot of other sort of, uh, I, and I, saw, I guess I saw some of this if I, if I go back to the Eco Games Symposium in, at Utrecht University. Uh, and this is probably going to come up in a future episode as well. We have to make a lot of future episodes. <laughs> um, but uh, th there is an, an, an initiative coming up called an Anticiplay, which is going to be... Um, a community of practice for how games can envision new futures and envision the transformations that take us from what we have today to those future futures, uh, which is kind of a, a yet another sort of novel approach on you know how how games influence policy uh, that isn't really covered by the Playing for the Planet framework yet. And I, I don't know if maybe Playing for the Planet itself is going to expand to cover more types of approaches, or maybe we're going to have these different interlocking networks. Uh, we already have a few of them growing, right? Anticipate is working on their own network. We have the SIG, we have Playing for the Planet. There's also this thing called uh, Play Create Green that's sort of a, a, a bunch of Nordic game studios. Uh, so maybe maybe the movement is sort of diversifying and maybe we're all we're, we're gonna see different types of, of summits focusing on, focusing on different ways that we can exercise our power. Yeah, I completely agree and I, and I think that's exciting and fantastic. And I want to touch back on uh, Anticipate for a second, because I think that notion that games can be used to uh, demonstrate and envision different futures is actually incredibly important and incredibly powerful. And there's a broad design history, not just in the game industry, but broad design history of what it might mean to uh, to basically to create design, like um, to create imagined futures and communicate those measurement futures and the power within comes from the fact that often behaviors and interventions and, and societal ways of being might be materially easy to do but hard to imagine and when they're hard to imagine they do not happen mm. that's the imagination crisis isn't it yeah that's right where we started and this exactly we, we talked about it early on and games perhaps have a unique way of communicating these imagined futures in that unlike other media, which is already pretty effective, uh, can be pretty effective at communicating these futures, games obviously are participatory. You play them, you experience them, you embody these futures. Uh, and what better way to communicate them? What better way to communicate that they have weights to them, that they can exist, that they can sustain themselves as ways of being than to give you a context where you are being that way. Yeah, so I think that's pretty exciting. I'm definitely gonna gonna try to get them on the on the show at least. Anticipate is the people doing the Cold House climate game, right? Yep, that too. Cool. They're doing a lot of cool stuff. Um, great. I uh, thank you so much for for sitting here in different parts of the world and talking to me. And yeah, <laughs> thanks for inviting us. Yes, thanks for having us. Uh, I'm sure it won't be the last time. See you around, and uh, uh, I never know how to end these things. <laughs> That's right. You need this fancy pro sign off. Like this is. Right? I need something written. 
But yeah. at any rate, it's it's over now. So I'm going to press. <laughs> <laughs> well, bye. <laughs> Good luck editing that ending together. Bye. <laughs>